0: All right, so uh, John chapter 14, um, we come to a part that's commonly referred to, might even be written in your Bible as a header or something Jesus' farewell discourse to his disciples. Um, so, John chapter 14 is where that's at. It actually begins, this discourse, this conversation, actually begins in John chapter 13, about verse 31. Uh, and it starts with when he was gone. Okay, that's important, that's a very important phrase. When he was gone is speaking about Judas Iscariot. Judas was in the process of betraying Jesus, so you have to put yourself in this picture, there's 12 men sitting in a room, Jesus' disciples, along with Jesus himself, and the Bible says, John says, when he was gone, when Judas got up and he left the table to betray Jesus, it's then that Jesus begins this discourse with these 11 disciples. And I think that's significant, personally. I believe what's taking place here is Jesus is addressing those who are his real followers, his real disciples. We have tended in the the past decades or so, the past couple of decades, to steer away from the term disciple. Oftentimes we use follower, we use believer, and those are all great terms. But if you read the followers of Jesus, many of the followers of Jesus stopped following about the time he got to the cross, right? We have steered away from the term disciple because back in the 70s it took on some kind of crazy connotations about discipleship and disciples doing this and disciples doing that. But the reality is we are disciples of Jesus. We're his followers. We're supposed to behave like he behaved. We're supposed to act like he, we're supposed to be who he was. That's who we're headed towards. When Brian begins this course on discipleship, it's about becoming disciples. Let's own it. That's who we are. Jesus was talking to his disciples so if you want to read this full discourse and i'd strongly suggest that you do it starts in john chapter 13 and verse 31 and it continues to john chapter 16 we'll conclude we'll do a a second half of this same uh, study next week but it's one conversation it's one speech it's one discussion so for these uh disciples it's probably uh, this is the last conversation you think about it. it's the last sit-down conversation that Jesus had with us, with them. And I believe it's for every disciple. In everything that Jesus says to these disciples then and through the Holy Spirit to us now, John chapter 14 is about comfort, it's about assurance, it's about this certain promise for today, for our immediate present walk with Christ, but also for eternity. If we, when we go on from here and we look at John chapter 17, John chapter 17, Jesus prays what's called the great high priestly prayer. And if you recall, he prays for his immediate disciples, he prays for himself, but he also prays for us. John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone, speaking of the disciples, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. You and I believe in Jesus Christ primarily from what we've read, from what we've learned, what we've been taught from what's been written down, from what the disciples wrote down. That's where we get our information to follow Christ. So Jesus in John chapter 17 is praying for us. You say, okay, pastor, how did we get from John 13 to John 17 and we haven't, you haven't really said anything yet. I'm just setting the tone, just letting you know. Someone also called John chapter 14 the comfort chapter because it gives us great comfort for those who Believe who are his disciples? please understand that. He's writing to He's speaking to his disciples. I was just at a funeral the other day, and this passage from John chapter fourteen is actually John chapter fourteen is where the the pastor went to talk about comfort. So we're going to go back to John chapter thirteen, starting in verse thirty one. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. And we all scratch our head and say, what? What do you mean He glorified and was glorified and did glorify and is glorifying and is going to glorify? There's five glorifieds in three sentences there. That word glorify actually means to exalt To honor, to praise extravagantly, to honor and to extol. I want you to hang on to that for just a minute because we're going to get back to what Jesus said that he's been glorified, he's in the process of being glorified, that God was glorified and that God's going to be glorified in him and he's going to be glorified in God. So hang on to that thought for just a minute. He goes on, John chapter 13, verse 33. My children, I will be with you a little longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, we talked about this last week, this command, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are disciples, 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 that you're disciples. You're not just followers. You're not just kind of thinking about Jesus. You're not just kind of going, well, I'm going to see. You're disciples of Jesus if you love one another. So in this context, love is not an option for the believer, for the follower, for the disciple of Jesus. Love is not an option. Jesus said, "Love." this is a new command, love one another. And when you love one another, By that, people will know that you are my disciple and God will be glorified. How do we glorify God? Love one another. So, well, pastor, I'm not really sure what worship looks like. I mean, we come here on Sunday morning and they play and they sing and sometimes we raise our hands and sometimes we don't raise our hands and maybe we kneel or maybe we clap. Is that worship? Well, that's part of worship. Worship is a picture of how you live your life. Worship is a picture of how you live your life every day, not just on Sunday mornings. How do you live your life every day? That tells me who you worship. Tells me what you worship, how much time you spend. And Jesus says here that if you love one another, in that you are exalting God. In that you are creating worship. You're glorifying God. So in this context, love is not an option. You say, well, again, what about you know praising him? What about you know raising my hands? What about giving? That's all good, that's all fine. But we're commanded this new command is not to give. Did you notice that? Jesus said, I'm giving you a new command, turn over your wallet. I'm giving you a new command, meet on Sunday morning and sing songs to me. I'm giving you a new command, start a new church. Is that what Jesus says? I'm giving you a new command, love one another. Lord, what if I don't like people? Well, guess what? We might have a class for that. We need to lay down our lives because we need to love. We're commanded to love one another. John 13 and verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going? You cannot follow, but you will later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus said, answered, Will you really? I mean, you know, sometimes, again, I say this all the time, we read scripture too quickly, but I can almost imagine Jesus looking at and going, really, you're ready to lay your life down for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows three times, you, uh, rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is about 12 hours before the whole, the whole crucifixion is getting ready to take place. Jesus knows what's coming. This is 12 hours before that okay, I really believe that the disciples here are kind of confused, they don't really know what's a little while, why is he going, what's this new command, how come we can't go with you, we've been going with you every day for three years, what do you mean I'm not, of course I would lay my life down, I mean you know I'd lay my life down, I love you, of course I'd do that, they have no idea what's about to hit them. what about us do we know what's about to hit us you ever you ever had a time in life where you're just kind of cruising along and everything seems to be going fine and then 12 hours later it's like what my how did my world just get flipped upside down we know the story here because we're we come in on the backside. We we've read about the crucifixion. We've read about all this. We've sat through the Good Friday services. We've sat through the Sunday the Easter Sunday services. We we know what's going on. We read all that. The disciples are they don't have a clue what's going to hit them. They have no idea. They don't know that Jesus just told Judas, "Go ahead and do what you need to do and do it quickly." They don't know that Judas just walked out of the room to betray Jesus and begin the whole crucifixion process they got no idea and no idea so Jesus here I believe he senses their doubt you ever been in a relationship you ever been around somebody and you could just sense doubt you're having a conversation and you realize man alive they don't they're, they're afraid here and I gotta do something to change that John chapter 14 and verse 1. After Jesus tells his disciples he's leaving, after he tells them they can't go with him, he knows what's coming, they don't know what's coming. Judas is just left to betray him. John chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare prepare a place for you it, it, man if, if these rooms weren't ready if there wasn't really a place Jesus is saying wouldn't, why would I tell you that I'm going to prepare a place his goal here is to give them some kind of comfort so give them some kind of assurance like I'm leaving but trust me when you get there I'm the first smiling face that you're going to see we don't think of heaven that way usually We don't think of our greeting committee. I mean, we've heard all the jokes about St. Peter at the pearly gates and all you gotta do is, you know, spell some great big word and then you're in. That's not how it happens. Jesus laid down his life. We're in whether we can spell Punxsutawney or not, right? We're in because of what he did, not because of what we do. We don't have to worry about meeting St. Peter first because I don't think St. Peter's really gonna care. He's probably still fishing. When Jesus goes crucified, that's what he said, I'm going fishing, man, I've had, now I'm have had, i going fishing. So I think what we're, the first face we're gonna see is the face of Christ. He's gonna be there to welcome us, greet us. That's what he's telling his disciples. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. He just told them the way to the place that he's going. Okay, first test of your discipleship class. What's the way to the place where Jesus is going? What? That's good. True Jesus, that's good. Believe in him, that's good. Ooh, ooh, where did that one come from? He just said, "The way you gotta love one, love one another." How am I gonna love one another? He goes on. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas was like, dude, we, we got no idea. And Jesus answered him and said, I am the way. I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can you imagine how confusing that conversation really was? I mean, they've been walking with him for three years. They know that he's going away, but now he says... I'm gonna give you a commandment and you need to love and every time you love someone, God is glorified. You wanna glorify the Father, you do it by, by loving someone and you do that when you go through me. If you really knew me, Jesus said, you'd know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Like, I don't know him, I haven't seen him. He's like, yeah, you know the Father. Well, how do we know the Father? Jesus said, you saw me. Look, folks, you want to get a picture of who God really looks like? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start reading the words in your Bible that are in red. That's the words of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start reading the words in red, and you're going to get a picture of who God is. So Philip pipes up. Okay, you have to understand the disciples are still seeing this wrong. They've been interpreting scriptures wrong for hundreds of years. They're expecting a deliverer. The Old Testament, the Old Testament, every time Israel got in trouble, what they did was they would pray for a deliverer. And eventually God would send a Moses or he'd send a Gideon or he'd send a David, someone who was this mighty king who came in on a white horse and he took Israel who was captive over here and he led them back to their promised land said, this is where you need to go. 17 times in the Old Testament, 17 times, Israel cries out and says, we need help, and God sends a deliverer, and and he delivers and sets them free, takes them out of their captivity, sets them free. So the disciples, his disciples, are expecting that same type of deliverer, that Jesus is gonna rise up, he's gonna be king, they're under Roman rule right now, he's gonna set them free. And Jesus is like, you're missing it, man. That external thing, That may or may not happen, but what's inside is now going to get changed. What's inside is now what I want to set free. That's what I want to transform. I want to transform your heart. I want to take that heart that was hard and stony and rough, and I want to turn it into something that's soft and pliable and loves. I want to change you from the inside. I'm not going to change your physical location, but I'm going to change your spiritual location. might change who you are inside. So John 14 and verse eight, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that's gonna be enough. Philip's still, I mean, he's out, he's still missing it. And Jesus answered, I almost think that there might be, maybe this is me, maybe I'm just reading into it, but I think there might have been a little bit of sadness from Jesus answering, don't, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing the working. Jesus is saying, you you don't get it. From Philip's perspective, I mean, I think these curtains are like the best, you know, the best thing I got. Philip's saying, look, if you just open the curtains we can see God on the other side and it doesn't take any faith then we can just we can just see oh, that's what God is that's what love looks like that's who he is now we know instead we have to believe that there's an eternity on the other side of this curtain we gotta believe that God wants to take our spirit and set our spirit free, that there's some junk inside of you and God wants to set that free and all you have to do is put your hope and your trust and your confidence and your belief in Christ and then on the other side is this great promise and Phillips is just saying, man, if you'll just peel back the curtains so we can see. What, what does the gospel say? It says, without faith, It's Paul actually who says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It takes an element of faith. You and I sitting right here. Jesus said, if you see my works, if you see what's gone on in around me, man alive, go back two chapters. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. He walked on water. The disciples saw that. They're in the boat. And Jesus is out walking on the water, too. They saw that. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, I think I would have believed he was God. Right? Other than January, who here has walked on water? I don't get to walk on water. I still think it would be cool. I haven't walked through walls. Jesus walks through walls. We'll find that a little bit later on in the book of Acts. I've tried. <laughs> it's not been highly successful. <laughs> My shoulder still hurts from that one. Believe in me, Jesus said, when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves at least. And and here's the deal. We're talking about Jesus' closest followers here. They've been with him for three years. They've seen him take a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and start breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not including women and children according to Scripture. So maybe 20,000 people They've seen that, not once, twice. They've seen him do all that and yet doubt creeps in. So let me ask you a question. You ever had doubt creep into your life? I mean you ever say, "I'm, I'm this is me man, this, I'm following after Jesus, I'm, it's me and him, we're going. And then something happens and doubt messes up your day or maybe your week or your month. I can tell you about people that have a lot of doubt to come in and it's messed up their life. Jesus is saying, I want you to at least, if nothing else, believe in the miracles, believe in the things that you have seen. There's evidence all around you. So this, chapter starts out with words of comfort. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in me. Trust also in in God. Believe also in me. You see, when trouble comes, it's easy for us to forget who we believe in. Just a side note. Just a side note. Do you know that the word or the phrase fear not, don't be afraid, that phrase fear not don't be afraid you don't know how many times that's listed in scripture that is listed in scripture more than 365 times if you struggle with fear look up fear not go on google fear not bible Grab just grab one verse a day and you'll have enough for every day of the year. And if you're having a really bad day, you can actually take two. There's more than 365 times that God in his word says fear not. Why do you think that is? Because we struggle with fear. We struggle with fear. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with, I don't think it's going to go. I, okay, okay, confession time. Bible says confession is good for your soul. I've been a little owly the last couple of weeks around our house. I've been a little sullen, maybe is the right word. I wouldn't go so far as to say pouty. <laughs> and that might. So we, we did this skit guys thing. And we, as a church, we put up the money for the skit guys thing. It was a lot of money. And we didn't put it up from our comedy fund Okay, we put up the money in faith. And last year when they went to Wadena, in two weeks, two weeks, say that with me, two weeks. Two weeks weeks, they sold out all their tickets in two weeks. Two weeks they were sold out. We've been advertising for three months our auditorium that seats 800 people. And we sold 200 tickets. And then we sold 203 tickets. And we sold 206 tickets. And yesterday, even, when I went to the, uh, just before I went to the auditorium, I checked the stats in fear again. And it was 439 tickets, I believe it was, before I got to the auditorium, 439 tickets. And guess what? That doesn't even come close to meeting the money that we put up for that event and so for about the last two weeks I've let fear and doubt destroy my days have I seen Jesus work yeah have I seen him do miracles yes he's even healed me a time or two he's done amazing things in my life and yet it's so easy for us as I'm preparing this sermon thinking 365 days of fear not. I should have grabbed hold of a few of those. By the way, last night I would say there was probably some 600 people there. Our budget was met, I'm quite certain. You know what? We let fear mess with us. Jesus is telling Philip, look, you need a little bit of faith. Trust in me. Don't let that fear, don't let that doubt, don't let that... Creep in, coming to know Jesus and to believe in Him in our hearts. Jesus says in verse 9, If you know me, you know the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Warren Wearsby is a, a, a Bible translator. It says in the book of John, there is 141 times when that word no is in that, in, just in the book of John, 141 times. And there are four different meanings for that word no. The lowest level, if you will, is just like the fact. You know your address, 17984, 350th Avenue, Detroit Lakes. I know my address. I know my address. I know my address. Do I know that there is a God? Yep, there's a God. He's a big guy. He's upstairs. You know, I throw a prayer up to him every once in a while. I know there's a God. That's kind of like the lowest level of knowing. There are people, if you say, do you know Jesus? Well, yeah, I know Jesus. I'm, I'm, I know. I know. But they only kind of surface know. They know about. The next level is to know and to understand the truth behind that. Yeah, I know that this piece of property, 1194 350th Avenue. I know that there's 15 acres there. I know about half of it is water. There's a a, a three a two-stall garage attached to the house. There's a couple of outbuildings. I know, man. I know about. I just I, I just I know it. I know where it's at. I know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he's eternal. About 2,000 years, God sent his son Jesus, he died on the cross, he left, he sent the Holy Spirit, all these facts, but we still kind of leave the truth of it all behind. The third level of knowing introduces us to relationship. It means to believe in the person, it means to become attached to to related to to know in john 17 and verse 3 now this is eternal life that they know you the only true god only jesus and jesus christ whom you have sent the the scriptures talk about to know when adam knew eve it was a relationship knowing it was a physical knowing they knew each other but there's a fourth kind of no. That means to, to go beyond even that. Paul in Philippians, says, but whatever, in Philippians three, whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus at my Lord, as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. So much so Paul's saying here, he says, I want to know him so much that I'm willing to participate in his sufferings and even become like him in death so that somehow I can attain this this fullness. I'm willing, I want to know him so well that I even participate in his sufferings. I want to know him at that level. Here's, so here's a question for us. Here's a question. At the end of the day. Do we know God? That's what Jesus is talking about. That's where this peace comes from. That's what this whole dissertation is. Jesus said, I'm leaving. There's going to be a world full of trouble. I'm leaving. I'm going to leave for a while. And you can't follow me. I'll catch up with you down the road. I'll come back and I'll get you. I'm preparing a place. But I really want you to know me. Do we know God? Maybe you're sitting out here and you say, Well, yeah, I kind of know God. I mean, I know I'm in church. I know God. I know, I mean, I know him. I'm sure, I know him. Do we know him? Do we know him by the things he's done in our life? Do we have we experienced him in such a way? Well, let me tell you what else happened to me yesterday at the Skit Guys. I know. My wife kind of struggles with stage fright. I have preached for 38 years. I've never experienced stage fright in my life. First time I got up in front of a group, I was in sixth grade. I stood with a rope and a lariat, swinging it, singing some cowboy song in a... You just let that imagination go wherever you want to there. (laughs) Wash that away. I have never experienced stage fright in my life. I got up last night and I went to introduce these guys. I stepped out on the stage. Everything went blank, including me. Lights went off. I was not a thought in my head. Whatever you heard, I opened my mouth and the words just rolled out. At one point, I'm pretty sure I was going to thank the church in Hibbing that I came from for what was going on. Total blank. Sweat. My shirt was covered. I was soaked. I've never experienced that in my life. I told Annette, and she said, now you know (laughs) what I deal with. Didn't know that before. Not like that. You can tell me that that's the way it is. Now I know. Do you know God today? Do you know God? Do you know Jesus in such a way that you can call on him and you know he's going to show up. That you can put your hope and your confidence and your trust in him. Do you know him that way? And if you do, are you hanging on to it? I've got a young man who's going to come up and share a bit of his testimony. Come on up, Marco. Marco has had an experience with the Lord. More than one, I'm sure. And I'm going to stay up here because he's starting to sweat already. (laughs) This does not bite, by the way. I might tell you, you're going to have to get it closer. But sometimes I think we need to take those experiences that we have and we need to continue to share them we need to testify so that it continues to build the, the Bible actually says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and sometimes we need to speak out God's Word and hear it ourselves in order to encourage our faith so tell us your tell us your story man
1: okay well um, my name is Markles, and uh, you know before I came to the Lord I've always known him but I never experienced what I experienced um, I was living in sin. I was not taking care of myself, drinking, um, boozing, alcohol, everything, drugs, Um, and I was so tired. I remember laying in bed and asking God to come into my life and change the way I was living, and um, I started coming close, seeking, and uh, one day I heard the voice, you know, not an audio voice or anything, it just said that I had some that I had sick blood and I sat there for a while you know I took like two three days and um, everything just started my life revealed in front of me and I was thinking you know yeah you know I I've been living in sin um, I've read the Bible I've read you know the plagues of and that's kind of how I look at it is um, I went to the doctor and I had blood work and everything and Sure enough, he had told me that I had um, Hep C, and um, so with that, um, I walked out, and we started talking about treatment and all that. And I, um, I said, you know, this is a death sentence. You know, I this is, is this how I'm gonna die? Is this you know? And I was just like no, I'm strong. I'm still healthy. I can outdo this. I can, um, I'm going to start jogging more. I'm going to start working out more. I'm going to take the medicine they tell me. I'm going to overcome this. And he had told me I, uh, there was a new medication coming out. I had to sit and wait for a year before I could start the process. And when that year came, uh, I went in, started the medication and, um, the first dose, uh, it really took its toll on my body. Um, there were, like, flu-like symptoms and at first, but then it changed. My body was totally ice cold, and it was unbearable. I had a whole bunch of blankets on me, and I had um, closed the doors to the room. I didn't want anybody to see me that way. Um, I also... Um, asked to ask my mom if I could um, use her comforter and while they were out getting not her comforter but her bed warmer and while they were out getting that I was laying in bed and I was pretty much crying to God and asking I didn't even ask I was just crying and oh my god oh my god you know my body and and shortly after that I Felt someone come sit by me and gave me a hug. And when I turned to look, there was no one. But everything that I was feeling at that moment left my body. And I was just overwhelmed with um, the Holy Spirit. It, I had nothing to, you know, what just happened. Where did it all go? Why Why am I feeling okay now? And um, it just hit me. It was a touch of God, He came, His grace, and He healed me. And when I went back to do some blood work, I was healed. They didn't know how I was healed, but I was healed. There was nothing, (laughs) there was no... Even to this day, I check my blood and stuff, and they tell me, yeah, there's nothing there. Whatever you did, whatever medication you... And there's always room for that doubt. Because I had started that medication. But how do you explain the feeling, the overwhelming? The hug. Yes, how do you explain the hug? And um, God has been working in my life and revealing himself to me as a child. And I've been lost in sin. And I've been stealing. He, He healed me. Not only did he heal me, But he also forgave me of all my past, all my sin. And who am I? This happened about nine years ago. And I was so embarrassed because of the disease, I could not get it out. I could not share it. Here, God had forgiven me for my sins and healed me. And I'm stealing. I'm stealing his glory. And I just want to share it with the world that yes, Healing is possible, and um, I just, I had a whole bunch of scripture here that I wanted to read and just a whole bunch I wanted to do for you guys, And but I just would like to know, if, and I'm sorry to put you in the spot, but if there's anybody out there that would like prayer and just receive healing or whatever, believe. One of the scriptures says that there was two rules that God had said. He said, um, "All right, man." Uh, John. He's
0: going back to John.
1: Yes, I've been stuck on John, and there's a <laughs> lot of good. There is a lot of good um, scripture here. Jesus replied, what am I telling you so, what I am telling you so earnestly is this, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I I just got baptized, me and my significant other, we got baptized. And after that, um, you know, I've been attending um, Celebrate Recovery and... um, I've heard Cleo's um, testimonies, and that's what led me to do this today, and I'm just thankful, and I would like to pray for anybody that needs prayer and healing, and whatever the church needs, as far as, you know, whatever I can help with, the lady that needs help moving, I would like to be a part of that, and um, I'm giving it all to God, and I'm just thankful to be here, and thankful to share. Amen. And. Amen,
0: amen, bless him, man.
1: At the end of the
0: service, we give, we'll give people an opportunity if they'd like to be prayed for at the end of the service. So we're, we're gonna close up our service here and I just, I just thank you for sharing your testimony. Part of, quite honestly, part of getting rid of that doubt is to continue to share what God's doing in our life. To keep that alive, keep it in front of us. Know what God has done. Declare it, and as we do that, it builds. It increases our own faith. I believe God's working in Marco's life. I believe we're seeing changes. You're seeing changes take place right in front of your face. There are others in this same congregation the same way.
1: There was a time when I um. Threw out...
0: You might become a preacher.
1: There was this one time that I was sleeping, and um, in my sleep, I was dreaming that someone had walked by me and asked if I wanted prayer. And I said, oh, I looked at him, and I said, "Um, no, thanks, thanks. I appreciate it, though. He walked away, and then he turned back, and he grabbed my hand. He said, I need to pray for you. And when I was, um, I said, okay. he, He didn't even let me say no. He got on his knees, and he held my hand, and he was praying. And um, when he was praying, I heard a lot of of evil going on, a lot of demonic stuff behind me. And so I started getting scared, and I was going to let go of his hand. And he said, you need to pray. Start praying. Start praying. And he was praying, and I started praying. And when I woke up, I was praying. I was praying in tongues, and I know God has something for me, and I know that I've been robbing him, and I'm scared, or I'm not scared anymore, but I'm just grateful that he is a forgiving God, and I, you know, I take an oath that I will always look to the cross.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's close this morning in prayer. The challenge for us today, I believe, the challenge is do we know God? At what level do we know God? Are we willing to open up and let God work in our lives? Are we willing to say, you know what, God, you've done this now and now I want to share it. I want everybody to know what you've done because I want to keep that in front of me. What level do we know God? God, today I just bring each person in this congregation, each person in the sound of my voice before you. And I pray, God, that we would wrestle with our knowing of you. Are we willing to open up our hearts when we've got fears and when we've got doubts? Have we closed the door, God, when you've done something miraculous have we shut the door and said, boy, I can't tell anybody about that. And in doing so, have we walked away from that knowledge of you? I believe, God, you're challenging us to know you. The disciples who walked with you, God, there was a level that they didn't know you. So I pray you'd work in our hearts and our lives. Each one of us, our testimony is going to be different. Some of us are going to be miraculous. Some of us are going to be outstanding. Some of us are going to be just plain and simple. Oh God, I pray that you would continue to work in our lives, continue to draw us, so we can get to be like Paul, where we say All, everything else means nothing. Everything, our goal is to know you more. Bring that to our hearts and our lives, bring that to fruition in our life, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Just a uh, heads up, uh, from here Jesus goes on and he says, you can ask whatever you will in my name and I'll give it to you. And I think that isn't when we just ask for a new Mercedes, matter of fact, I don't think it's that at all, Because he says, when you ask in my will, when you've laid yourself down and you're so full of him, that's going to change what you ask for.